Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. This is your host, June Romley. Our guest today is Chris South, the CEO and founder of Roy AI. Roy AI is an automation SAS technology for the recruitment sector that supports recruiters through machine learning, activity tracking, referral gamification, and more. Chris is also the MD at Prominence, a marketing agency for the Asia-Pacific recruitment sector, which he founded in 2014 and employs over 20 people in Sydney, Auckland, and Kuala Lumpur. Chris' background lies in marketing and recruitment, but his enthusiasm for business development drove him to start his own companies to service the recruitment sector. He loves to share his knowledge and documents his journey to develop the ROI AI business from scratch in his own podcast series, The $5 Million Project. So hi, Chris. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, June. Thank you very much for having me along. Awesome. So let's dive right into the question. So, okay, the obvious one would be what sparked the idea. There's lots of things to talk about there. Firstly, I'll make your life easier. We just call it Roy, as in the name Roy, um, for simplicity. Um, but it but it all comes from every time I look at a technology product in the recruitment sector, it's very, very hard to demonstrate any return on investment. Um, so we thought absolutely first and foremost, what this product had to do is it had to clearly articulate to the users how it delivers return on investment. And having played around with things for a long while, that seemed like a really logical choice to go um, in that direction. And obviously, we've got elements of AI in the platform so that the two kind of went together very very nicely okay well what sparked the idea so you were doing prominence for so long and then you started to do this um roy uh, roy ai right what what why because i can see yeah. that prominence has been along for a long time seven years already almost eight yeah and, and prominence is still running and, and very very successful but when we we work with a lot of recruitment agencies and we were trying to do our job as a marketing agency and we were finding every time we would try and do our job we would bump into a problem that the technology just didn't exist to allow us to do what we needed to do um, and we tried lots of other solutions there's lots of mainstream products in the marketplace things like mailchimp marketo hubspot people are probably familiar with um, but the problem with all of those products they're great products but they don't integrate they don't talk to the products that exist in the recruitment world that the recruiters use so the recruitment database is where you and i sit when we apply to a job so this meant that it's a very messy process. You're trying to make two systems talk to each other that don't want to talk to each other. Um, so after a couple of years of trying to do this, we decided the best way was we, we just have to develop something ourselves. Okay, so, so this is a software as a solution company and um, I checked your background. You don't have any tech background. I checked your LinkedIn profile yesterday. So, you know, what was your first move? You went and found a tech company in overseas or you partnered with someone yeah the, the first move is is always the hardest and as you say particularly when you don't know really what what you're doing um and i think that's what puts most people off um luckily for me i, I think i've been around long enough that i've built a pretty strong network so when you when you've got a network you sort of say to someone hey i'm trying to achieve this and they say oh i know this person over here and i know this person and as you start having those conversations you connect with the right people so actually this business isn't just mine there's three other shareholders who are part of the, this business, which has obviously helped with the funding um, and has helped with us find the, the technical skills that we actually need to, to build a team. So we've, we've been fortunate that one of the directors actually runs a software development company. Um, so he's been able to effectively lend us a team, um, which he's already built. 
to develop the product. So I haven't had the, the challenges that a lot of people have of going and finding the people to build a product. My challenge has been to learn how to work with a technical team learn what they require from me on a day-to-day -day basis in order to get to where we, we need to go. And I, I think one of the, the biggest frustrations of this whole journey, and if you listen to the podcast series, you'll probably hear it in my voice, is we spent three or four months, me trying to understand how they worked and them trying to understand how I worked. And I think we wasted a lot of money and a lot of time just building stuff that wasn't right and scoping things that weren't right. But at some point, we kind of understood each other. And from there on out, it, it became fairly smooth and we settled into a rhythm of actually developing a product. Um, but then if you fast forward to where we are now, we're, we're, we're obviously going live. We've just gone live last month. And um, there's a whole new host of problems because I haven't launched a technology product before. So all of a sudden, you know, how do we do that? How do we work with our partners to make sure that their systems stay up when we need them up? There's a whole raft of new learnings that I'm having to go through at the moment. Okay, so okay, this is very unfortunate of you. You met someone. Your is it a friend of a friend or a a, a business partner? Yeah, I'd say more acquaintances. Um, so I, I already have a business partner in my current business. So him and I, it was logical for us to stay in business together and just launch a new business. Um, but we had acquaintances in the sector that we met at various conferences, and so it was simply a case of having a conversation with them and saying, "We're looking to do this. We think it's a great idea." are you interested? And one of the, one of the people we spoke to, he said, yeah, I'm interested, but I also know this person over here who I had no connection with. Um, and then we were introduced to them. Um, and then I had to fly over to Brisbane um, and I had to present my idea to my business partner, this other person we knew, and he's uh, the person he knew and basically pitched for business. Um, it was quite informal, but you know, it, it was a full day session in a room, me walking through the idea of what I wanted to achieve to get enough buy-in for them to say, okay, we'll come on this journey with you. We want to be partners in the business. We're happy to fund it and we're happy to bring our team into it. So looking back, it was quite a big deal, but it didn't feel like such when I was doing it. Okay, so the uh, tech capacity is from Australia, not New Zealand, right? We've, we've got a bit in New Zealand and a bit in Australia. So the, the, the company we've partnered with or the person we've partnered with, he's got a technology hub in Australia, New Zealand, and actually offshore as well. So we've got people working on this all over the world, basically. When did you start this and what was your startup cost, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> when, whenever you speak to a technology startup person, they, they always say the, co the costs are bigger than they expected. You know, it's like building a house, it, it spirals. Um, so when we, like this was two years ago, almost to the date we had the idea, I did that pitch that we're talking about in August, 2019 and in development started about December, 2019. And at that point we had a budget. We thought it's going to cost us roughly $450,000, um, to get wow. to go live. And so myself and my original business partner, we sat down and thought that's that's low. We need to add a bit more here because it's probably going to cost a bit more money. Um, we've nearly spent a million dollars now. Um, Is so, this money or did you get a bank loan or sell something of your, a you know, a house or something? It's all privately funded between the four of us. Um, luckily, as, as you say, I've got another business that's been quite successful. So we've been able to uh, take some money out of that business and, and reinvested in, in this and the other um, directors have all contributed as well um so no loans at the moment no um um what's it called um no no sort of externally raised funds it's all come from the four founders 
Okay, so all right. I mean, it's a lot of money for you to go and start a new business like this. Why didn't you just stay in prominence and you know uh, up the ante and you know increase the reach for that product instead of starting everything, uh, starting a new thing? I think the selfish answer is I get bored. Um, so you know, once I've been doing something for a few years, you tend to find yourself what's next, what's out there. But the the other aspect of it, and probably the bigger one, is is just the opportunity for this. Uh, I I saw. I'm, I'm the kind of person that's always looking at ideas. I've got a list of ideas on on my OneNote that I'm constantly looking at for something that I'm going to pursue. And this one had sat there for months as something that I thought was a really good idea. And I, every time I looked at it, it didn't go away. The niggle was always, hang on, we should do this. And it was so compelling. It got to a point where we just had to do it. So, you know, it was, it was a big call to, to put prominence aside. And as I say, I've had to restructure prominence over the last couple of years to get it ready to run without me, which we've never done. But that that was a massive step to step out of that and step into this other unknown business where we funded it and you know we didn't have any clients. But I think when you've got an idea and when you back it, you you, you kind of feel comfortable doing that. Okay, so it's your idea, not the not any and not a collective idea. It's one hundred percent your idea, is it? And then you told your business partner, and then they said, okay, let's roll with this. We get the others to come in. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm fortunate in that my business partner is one of those people when, when you say you've got a good idea and if you can back it up, he supports you. Um, and the other partners that we're in business with now, they're, they're all the same. You know, they, they know we're onto a really good idea here. Um, we know the demand is there. I mean, we've, we've pre-sold the product, so we've got uh, sales, we've got clients ready and waitlisted to come in. Um, so there's a degree of confidence there even though we you know we haven't been live until last month okay tell us about the product how does the software work yeah okay so th this is the one where it, it can get a bit confusing to to people that don't operate in the recruitment sector but think about it from a really simple perspective if you're looking for work you may apply for a job and you may never hear back that's one of the main gripes of people working for recruitment or applying to recruitment agencies or even applying to a job themselves and it's not necessarily because the recruiters are bad at their job. It's because they're dealing with such huge volumes. Um, you know, one recruiter could have 20, 30, 40 live jobs at any one stage, and they could have 10 applications a day coming through for each of those jobs from uh, candidates, from people, job seekers looking for work. So that the numbers are staggering. And when we look at our recruitment databases, the average recruitment database, I think, contains about 20,000 candidates, but most decent sized agencies can be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of candidates, if not millions of candidates. So if you apply for a job, how is your profile found? How is it seen? The recruiter's only option at the moment is to manually go through those applications and look at the person and try and figure out whether they're right or wrong. And at, at scale, when you're working with that volume, mistakes happen. People are missed, things are, um, oversights are made. Um, so it's it's quite hard for you as a job seeker to end up getting connected with that role, even if you're working with the best recruiter out there. What our product aims to do is improve the efficiency between the recruiter sat in the middle and the job over here and the employer and the person applying for the job, the job seeker. So it makes the recruiter's life easier to figure out which of their hundreds of thousands of candidates are active at any one stage. It makes it ensures that the details of these people over here are accurate and up to date, so they're not making poor decisions based on bad quality data. For example, you could send your CV in, and 
that might have been two months ago and the recruiter gets a new job that's absolutely perfect for you but because you applied two months ago the recruiter completely overlooks you thinking you're not active but you might not have found a job and you might still be active in applying elsewhere but the recruiter only looks at the people that have just applied in the last day or so so our system has activity insights in it so that if you're still visiting at the recruiter's website or you're still engaging with their marketing content it shows that you're still active you're still actively looking for work it allows the recruiters to capture your details and get you to update your details automatically without them having to go to two individuals one-on-one. -on -one. So basically it employs automation to allow the recruiters to work at scale, but also to work far more accurately with this vast load of data they have so that they can match people to the right opportunities. All right. So what if they uh, don't visit the recruiter site, but they're still looking for work? Like, you know, they go to other sites because they probably would have felt like, oh, this guy is useless. You know, what's the point of like, you know, trying again? So can the uh, software still capture that? Uh, it can't capture you visiting uh, or the job seeker visiting another website. But what it can do is, is a couple of things there. So one, most recruitment agencies will use a tool like MailChimp to send out communication to their candidate database saying, hey, here's the monthly news. Here's some of the best jobs we've got at the moment. So if a job seeker were to click on one of those jobs um, because they might have a vague interest in that job, that would tell the recruiter, hey, this person is still interested in opportunities. They're still, they've still got an active mindset and that would adjust their score in our platform, which A, it would change their status to be active and B, they'd have a higher score, which shows the recruiter that person's a little bit more interested than, than normal. The other thing the system could do because of automation is you can write rules and triggers. So you can say, if someone applied for a job two months ago, let's send them another communication either by a text message, WhatsApp, email that contains a chatbot or a survey. And we ask them, are you still looking for work? Yes, no. What, you know, have you changed roles? What's your current job title? All that sort of information. So, yeah, so, so what would happen there is at the moment, the recruiter, once you've applied, your data sort of just becomes dead and dormant. But using automation, the system can automate to go back to you and contact you and find out more information about your current status, exactly what's happening now rather than just the the data disappearing okay great uh so does it pick up keywords like okay for the job it needs to have this 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 and your resume doesn't have those those words but you can be the right fit for the job it's just that your resume is not uh having the right keywords does the your software does does that kind of um, screening no, it doesn't. Um, but all so the, the real big benefit of our software is it integrates with normal recruitment databases. Um, and those databases do exactly what you're talking about, keyword matching. So most recruiters will use keyword matching. They'll, they're looking for a project manager. They'll type in project manager. They'll search for that project manager. And then they'll have a list of 200 people. What they haven't got time to do is then call through those 200 people to find out who's available. So that's where you'd use our system because it would automatically send out an email or a text message to those people saying, hey, we've got this opportunity. Are you interested? And it can then capture your details and pull them back in the system. The one thing our Roy AI system is going to have is machine learning. And that is basically going to mirror recruiter behavior. So if a recruiter does a specific thing when it's searching for a person for a job the system will remember the recruiter's behavior and then be able to go searching based on behavior not just on keywords because we want to get around 
the problem of people not putting the right keywords in, but then actually being a very good candidate. The huge problem with this, and the reason that that piece has taken us longer than anything else, is, as you probably know, there's bias, unconscious bias as well, in the way recruiters work. Uh, they might not intentionally do it, but they do. And if we're learning from the recruiter's behavior, there's a real big risk that the system learns the recruiter's bias and then makes the same mistakes and issues. So we're trying to find a way to remove unconscious bias from our machine learning, um, which is a, a whole nother conversation, but a very big problem we're trying to solve. All right. Okay. So who are your competitors? Good question. So when we started, we really didn't have any competitors. Um, with, like, this is a new concept in the recruitment sector. There are companies like, as I said, HubSpot, MailChimp, sort of more established automation and marketing platforms out there. Um, but because they don't integrate with the databases that we're the recruitment databases, they're not really competitors because the recruiters just don't use them. It's too hard. Um, since we've started and we've been on a journey two years now, more companies are starting to come in here. There's no one that's really in any further than we are. And, and the companies that are starting it coming from the UK or the US or, you know, various other locations. So I think we're going to see the marketplace changing. We're going to see more competitors coming in the market, but, but at the moment, there's lots of smaller companies and, and no real companies that I would identify and say they're a key competitor. Okay, so Rami, um, what about uh, some of your uh, clients? Is, um, are they big guys like Seek? No, um, so Seek sort of sits into the recruitment ecosystem as a, a job board and the recruitment agencies use job boards. So our clients are the recruitment agencies themselves. So if you're looking for typical recruitment agencies in Australia, you could be looking at Hayes, Robert Half, Robert Walters, Adeco, you know, big recruitment agencies like that. Now those guys generally have some degree of automation already because they've got big teams that have enabled them to build their own products or use things like HubSpot and integrate them into, into their ecosystem. Our clients are the mid-sized agencies. So they could be turning over two, three, four hundred million dollars a year, but they're still not big enough to have a team dedicated to automation. They need a product that works off the shelf. Um, so if you look around Australia, the typical profile companies like talent, um, beyond recruitment, people to people, um, that finite, that sort of size agency, maybe they're employing anything from a hundred through to a thousand um, recruiters. That's our sweet spot. That, that's, that's kind of where we fit into the marketplace. Okay. Um, all right. So you see, there's a lot of people who are, um, you know, looking for work at the moment and some of them just, um, you know, have a blanket resume, the same resume, and they just send it out um, to any jobs that they see. So with all these softwares and everything that's come into place, especially yours, right? What would be your advice for these kind of job seekers? Because, um, you know, applying for a job is it's like a it's hard and then sometimes they just just decide on sending one resume for all do you think this is the way to go or it's a good question i don't think the advice has changed for for a long while really that you know you need to make sure your information is concise consistent accurate however we are now entering in a market where every employer pretty much is desperate to find good quality people and recruitment agencies when we went through the covid pandemic recruitment agencies didn't have many jobs and they had lots and lots of people applying for jobs. Now we're in another market where they have lots of jobs and 
not so many good quality candidates. So I actually think it's less hard at the moment for candidates to, to stand out. However, it has, it's so important to make sure that if you are looking for work, your recruiter knows you're looking for work. Um, so, you know, sending them an email every now and then, just updating a status, hey, I spoke to you three months ago. Here's a quick summary of what I've been doing since then. I'm still looking for work. Plus, I've also gained this certification. That sort of communication is really key. I remember when I was recruiting, which is more than 10 years ago now, it was very, very rare. I would hear from, they would apply for a job, but I wouldn't hear from people outside of the application. So I'd never get, you know, an email just saying, hey, how's it going? This is my current situation. And those small bits of communication help you really stand out from other people. And the other thing I think you touched on there is making sure your details are up to date. So if you've applied for a job a year ago, make sure that recruiter's got your latest CV so they know what you're up to. And also you do have the right keywords on because if two years ago you were a project administrator and now you're a project manager, if, they're, if they've got a great project manager job on, they're not going to come and approach you because your CV still says product project coordinator. And that's where tools like ours can help automatically update those details. But if you're a job seeker, that's something you should most definitely be doing is making sure you have a few recruiters you work with when you're looking for work and they have your most up-to-date details. Um, there's nothing worse than sort of the opportunities out there that are good and just never hearing about them because, because you haven't kept your, your recruiter up to date. Okay, thank, uh, so let's move on to your podcast series, The $5 million Project. Okay, you named the podcast as such because you said you're happy to walk away with such a payout once um, Roy AI becomes, you know, what it is, what is supposed to be, its full maturity. So I'm just curious to know why you said $5 million and not $100 million. Uh, What a question. Um, so in, in my mind, I've, I've always had a goal in terms of what I, what I wanted to do in my life. And from a $5 million perspective, that's $5 million for me, not $5 million uh, for the company across the shareholders. So I guess you say there's four shareholders, that's $20 million we actually want to achieve. Oh. Um, but I've worked out that for me, $5 million is what I need to live a very comfortable life where I'd be very happy. And I, whatever happens, I don't want to be one of these business people that achieves $5 million and suddenly wants 10 and suddenly wants 20. That's in my eyes, not a good idea. And I've always thought you've got to have a plan. So my plan is to get to a point where I achieve that sum and that will then allow me to do things where I can really do some good in the world and give back and focus on projects that I choose to do. So, you know, I've, I've run one business. This is my second business. I see it that I get to the end of the second business. I can then step away and I can focus on doing a select number of things that really help people and, and, and help the world we live in. And I can do that once once I've hit that five million dollar mark. All right. So, OK, what uh, would you agree that um, recruitment software can sometimes miss out on great hires? Yeah, I would. I would. I, I think. We, we've touched on a couple of reasons there. I don't necessarily think it's just the software. I also think it's the recruiters themselves um, or the, the, whole, the whole job search sector at some stage is going to experience some transformation because it's such a bad process for people looking for work. It's a bad process for people hiring work and the recruiters in the middle are working commission only um, on a relatively low base salary. Like the whole model doesn't work. So Definitely, if I if we just talk to software, to your point at the beginning, the biggest problem with the software is the volume of data on it and how old that data becomes and how out of date and how hard it is to search. That is a major Achilles heel for all parties concerned. And that's why I think Roy AI is so powerful because we can help to solve that problem. 
Um, but I do think there's going to be a fundamental overhaul, uh, an Uberization or an Airbnbization of the of the jobs and recruitment sector at some stage. Um, I wish I knew what it was because I, I get on and do that product, but um, <laughs> but I don't. Um, but I think it will change at some stage. Okay. Uh, all right. What about aspiration to go public listed? I know you want to sell. Uh, you know. Um, you know, sell the company. But what about? Um, Taking it to the stock market. Yeah, do you know, do you know. So our our aspirations are more than local. Uh, that's the first thing. So you know, we've already got clients in New Zealand and Australia. We've got a natural path into uh, the UK and America through our channel partners. So we've partnered with a lot of the key recruitment databases. And you know, you just said there that I I, I would like to sell, and that's partially right. I'd love to sell and, and walk away with my five million dollars. But an, another angle might be I actually keep the business. And over the next 10 or 15 years, it generates me $5 million. So I, I haven't made my mind up per se that I actually, or we actually want, want to sell. Um, and from that perspective, yeah, you know, public listing seems so far off when you literally just launched the business uh, last month. Um, but it's not something I'd say no to. And I, I do think certain technology companies going public is a positive mood, mood and there, there does seem to be more emphasis on that happening. It's, it's just not a consideration that we've really thought through at the moment. Alrighty. Okay, um, just for, uh, just uh, you did touch on this just now, but I just wanted to ask you for, a, you know, one of your tips on how people can beat the machine and ensure they pass through the software screening process with all this recruitment software. That one tip that you can just dish out for job seekers. The, the easiest one I would say is make sure your CV is in MS Word, not Adobe or some or an image file, because these systems can't search. You know, some are beginning to be able to search PDFs, but they definitely can't search images. So if you if you do it in MS Word, that's going to give you an advantage straight away. That's maybe a little bit too obvious. So if if you're going beyond that, I would also make sure that you really clearly articulate what the role is and what the company does. Um, as a recruiter. If I see you've worked at IBM, I know what IBM does, so I can take a good guess at that. But if I see you've worked at XYZ down the road, I probably don't know what they do. So it's worth explaining what the company does and exactly what your responsibilities were and what you achieved at that role. And that's a great place where you can put in things like keywords. So, you know, if you are a project manager, you could put as a project manager leading XYZ, that's going to show up when someone searches for those key phrases which makes it more likely that you're actually going to be found in the first place. Awesome. All right. So, and that is all the time that we have for today. We have just been speaking to Chris South, the CEO and founder of Roy AI. Thank you, Chris, for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.